0: One of my fears after I watched that was how serious it was going to feel for me to begin this message because I enjoy laughter and run away from things that feel serious. But the truth is, uh, all of us recognize how serious that is because all of us have fears, right? I mean, every single one of us. In fact, uh, there are a few of you, and we've taken your names down, that had your light up the entire time. (laughs) And we're going to refer you to a few things that we're doing here to help you. Uh, I'm kidding. Um, I mean, we have taken your name down, but we're not going to contact you. Um, I do want to also say hello to everybody at Buckhead, Decatur, all of our churches, uh, partner churches even that are watching today. My name's Clay and I am the campus pastor uh, at North Point. And it's, it's coincidental, I would say in some ways, that I am talking about fear while doing one of the things that as humans we hate most, and that is public speaking, right? because the thought of this being a humiliating moment for me is very scary for you and for me. Uh, All of us, though, whether you had your light up the entire time or whether you never had your light up, we all know what it's like to experience fear, right? That's what we're going to be talking about over the next three weeks is this word, fear. And for some of you, the word is real small. Uh, You're the person maybe that uh, you had no fear on the back of your truck in high school. Anybody go to school with people like that? I, I did, lots of them. Uh, they're typically the people that we are most afraid of, right? Because if you have no fear, we wonder what's, what's wrong with you. Honestly, there, there's a medical condition. Uh, the more I researched and, and, and tried to read about this topic, I, I bumped into more and more stories of people who literally have an amygdala in their brain that does not produce the emotion that all of us feel when it comes to fear. And you could just imagine the challenges that that would would cause in life, right? Uh, There's a reason why we have fear. Playing in traffic is a bad idea, and fear has kept us from that. Getting that tattoo in high school that you didn't get, aren't you glad you didn't get it? Some of you can think about a relationship that fear kept you out of, and maybe it was a good thing. But if you have zero fear, honestly, I don't think this series is for you. I would also say, though, if you have this amount of fear, if you are overwhelmed by fear, I'm talking to the point where if you didn't take your medication today, you would be in a fetal position curled up in the corner of the room. Well, some of you would say, well, I wouldn't even have been here. I wouldn't be watched today because I can't function because I have so much fear, I just also want to let you off the hook. We do want to help, and I believe there are a lot of ways, if that's you, that we can help. But I don't know that this series is going to be that helpful for you either. No, this series really is for uh, those of us who have just the kind of the middle 80 percent of life, you know we've got just the normal, everyday fear. That, that, that's who this series is for. And just to frame up this series so you can know exactly where we're going, this is what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the fear of the future. Next week, we're going to talk about this big word, the word anxiety, the perpetual anxiety that's, that's in the present. Because anxiety is the manifestation of fear in our everyday lives, right? And we are more anxious today than we have ever been before. And then the last week, week three, we're going to talk about our past, we're going to talk about the problem with our past, because as we're going to find out, in order to move forward, some of us need to go back. Uh, yes, all of our fear, I think, the majority of fear is, is in the future. It's an uncertainty that's in the future, but it's usually caused by something that is unresolved in our past. So those are the three weeks that I hope that you'll be a part of this with us. I really do want to encourage a conversation around this topic But as we get going, as we dive in, I want to just give you a, here's a baseline definition for fear. I believe that fear is, it's an emotion. Ultimately, it's an emotion. Fear is a feeling, right? I mean, that's the most, the most fundamental essence of fear is that it's something that I feel. It's something that I experience. We're experiencing more of this today than we have ever experienced before. Some of it's because of The weather, some of it's because of the way the news works, some of it's because of the way that uh, our, our government is set up, some of it's because of our ability to be more aware through social media than we've ever been before, but there is more fear today, there is more of an emotion of fear, a feeling of fear than we've ever had before, and it's caused by, it's caused by the belief, it's the belief of something, it's something that we think is true. There is something that I see in the future, believe about the future, and experiencing and thinking about the future that I believe is true. And the, f- and the belief is this. It's an emotion caused by the belief of looming potential loss, looming potential loss, that there's something that I can see, something that I believe is out there in my future that is going to cause me harm or pain, that it's a threat and it's creating this emotion in me that makes me feel like I'm going to lose something in the future. But there's a reason why we're talking about this. There, there's a reason that goes beyond just trying to know more about fear. No, what, 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 is the, what is the danger in your mind? What's the danger with fear? What's the problem with fear? Why, why is fear worth talking about? Because fear wants to control us. Fear is a mechanism. It's a thing that wants to have control over us. In fact, if you would, I would love for you to just think about what what has fear kept you from doing? Some of you have had, you have a dream about your future. You have an idea that you want to try. You have a a job you want to pursue. You have a relationship you want to pursue. Something that you would like to try. But fear has kept you from trying it because it has kept you from something that's what fear does and yes fear has kept us from maybe causing harm to ourselves but fear has also limited our ability to experience life because it's kept us from things fear has also though caused us to do some things that we regret as well right in fact, most people that feel smothered by someone, you feel smothered by that person because fear is driving them. If you feel micromanaged or if you feel like someone is, is not making themselves available to you, that they're isolated, they've withdrawn themselves, and perhaps it's fear that has caused them to do that. But the same thing could be said of you and I, that we have done things that we, that we wish we hadn't done, that we wish we didn't do. And it was motivated by this controlling thing inside of us called fear. I I, I would imagine that there are people listening today and you're done with fear. You're over fear. You're sick of fear. You're so tired of it keeping you from life and causing you to treat people, behave in ways that you wish you wouldn't. And then there's others of you that the low hum of fear has just gotten... To be so common, it's kind of like the air conditioning running in a room. You, you've tuned it out, you don't even hear it because you've learned to cope with it, you've learned to deal with it. And maybe today is a day for you to wake up and go, hey, what, what has this fear kept me from? What has it caused me to do? And how can I begin to overcome this fear? I, I believe there's a lot of potential in this series. Not because of my ability to communicate. No, I feel wildly insecure about being able to communicate this idea. But I believe there's potential in every single seat that we're sitting in. Every single person has the opportunity in front of us to overcome fear in such a way that it's not the thing that controls you. I believe that there is a version of you that is more fearless And I hope that through the next couple of weeks that we can find that together. Here's one of the fundamental things that I hope that we can all agree on is that understanding fear is the first step to overcoming fear. That in order for us to get over fear, we've got to get underneath fear. We have to ask the tough questions of why is this here? Why is this causing me to behave this way? In order for us to get past it, we have to get behind it in order for us to move past it, we have to understand more about it. So there, there is something about logically understanding it that I think can help us move past it. So what I want to do is I want to I just give you just a, a, a little uh, chart that is a, to me, it's a logical way to think through a very emotional issue. And so I hesitated because I thought, you know what, this is too emotional. We could tell story after story that would compel us all, but I believe the best use of our time is to help us understand more about it so that we can begin to overcome it in our own life. I, I, as I was reading, as I was researching, I bumped into a psychologist that had just written a few articles, but in one of the articles that he wrote, his name is Carl Albrecht, he wrote about the hierarchy of fear, that there is a hierarchy. And for me, it's the most helpful explanation of fear that I have found. And so I would love to just show it to you over the next few minutes. And I hope that you'll be able to interact with it in your mind and find exactly where your fears are on this fear-archy. Get it? A fear hierarchy, otherwise known as a feararchy. No? I thought that would do better than it did. Uh, here's the way it looks. In this pyramid of fear, we have four big categories. There is extinction. There is autonomy. There is separation. And I have spelled this word wrong a few times. And so I'm very particular. That is an A, okay? Not an E. Very important. And then there's ego. And as we're talking about this, I want you to think about these two words, future loss. Because all of these categories of fear represent something that we're going to lose in the future. So let's just write down some of the most basic ones. When it comes to extinction, we're talking about the most fundamental basic challenge of fear is that we all fear what? Death. Yes. None of us like to die. In fact, I heard this comedian talking about the fear of snakes. And he said he was at this military base where they said, hey, we have a lot of snakes here. He was traveling overseas, speaking to a group of uh, uh, men and women in the military. And they said, if you do get bit by a snake, make sure to grab the snake and bring it with you to the hospital. And he said, who told you to say that? The snake? Did the snake tell you to tell me that? Because if I did that, I would just get bit 30 more times. Exactly. Right. See, when you think about your fear of snakes, what are you so afraid of? dying. I mean, that's pretty legitimate. That's my fear of snakes. Some of you are like, well, it's just a garden snake. It won't kill you. No, I will die just at the thought uh, of getting bit by snakes. Uh, For some people, that's their fear of heights, right? For some of you, that's why you hate flying. You know, you sat with a counselor one time and the counselor said, hey, what's the worst thing that could happen? The plane could crash and I could die. That's a pretty legitimate fear, right? Let's move up from there. Let's talk about autonomy. I want you to think about this a second, but all of us love the, the idea that we are self-directed, that I determine what I'm going to do today. In fact, if any one of you, if you wanted to turn this off, if you wanted to get up and walk out, you have the freedom. It might be a little bit embarrassing for you or you might have to face a little bit, but nonetheless, you could do that. And so that allowed you to come today. That allowed you to participate with this today. That there's, there's something to me about economic loss. In fact, the feeling of losing our job or the economy tanking, whatever that fear is in all of us, a lot of it is connected to our sense of losing our autonomy, not being able to be self-directed and self-determined and being able to make my own way. Have you ever thought about people who hoard things? Honestly, this this is a significant challenge for a lot of people in our world, right? We are building more and more storage for our stuff. And one of the fears of hoarding, one of the things that motivates hoarding is what if I needed it, but I don't have it because I threw it away. It's honestly, it's a loss of autonomy that I no longer, I'm not as in control as I am. You know, this is interesting to me, but have you ever met anyone who fears not driving It's amazing to me because there are some people who actually fear driving. They fear dying and they don't want to drive. But then there are some people who fear not driving and and they have to be in the, they have to be in control. You know what? I'll just meet you there is what people often say, because I need to bring my own car in case I were to have to leave. It's why some people have claustrophobia because They don't like the idea of being in stuck quarters where I can't control myself. I can't control, excuse me, being able to leave or not. It has nothing to do with me being able to control myself. That's different. Uh, Separation. When you think about this idea of separation, that there are people who fear being single or being alone or being divorced, or I think this is primarily what motivates the loss of a loved one, very sincere fear that all of us have, is what if she dies? What if he dies? What if something happens to him? I think this is one of the things that motivates the way we have removed uh, monkey bars from playgrounds, right? Do you realize this? That we are very protective with our kids now. Some of you are like, oh yeah, when I grew up, we used to ride in the back of the station wagon with no seat belts. Now we put helmets on our kids no matter what they're doing in life, right? And a lot of it is motivated by a fear of separation of what would happen if something happened to them. And I wouldn't, I don't think I could make it if something happened to them. And so it creates oftentimes a lot of helicopter parenting. But that's not the only fear I think that motivates helicopter parenting. Sometimes it's also the fear of, and this is in the ego category, the fear of failure. If my kid didn't make it, what would that say about me? What would it say about my ego? If my child didn't go to the school that I would want them to go to. See, we have a fear of failure. We also have a fear of being insignificant or a fear of humiliation, which is the way I would feel if I misspelled humiliation. But that is a significant fear, right? Have you ever heard what Seinfeld says about the two greatest fears that we have as humans? I think this is fantastic. He says, well, you know this. Research has said that the two greatest fears are the fear of death and the fear of public speaking. And the fear of public speaking is more common than the fear of death even, which I think makes a lot of sense. His punchline is, which basically says that people would rather be in the casket than speaking at the funeral, which is kind of funny when you think about it. But it does fit with this paradigm. It fits with the idea that the fear of death, obviously, is the fear of extinction, that we would lose life somehow. But the fear of public speaking is the fear of humiliation or the fear of failure, that I would stand up in front of people and not be able to do a good job, and it would be embarrassing to me. And it's interesting how, as primal as this is, these are the most complicated fears that we have. The fear of not just losing our life to death, but the fear of not really being able to live. And this is the hierarchy, I think, of fear. So, so why is that important? Why is it important to even logically try to understand fear? Because what it does is, I, I think it helps us see that fear is actually a thing seeking control. And I specifically chose the word thing. That it's this thing That's seeking control. It's this this thing in us that wants control. And there's something about thinking about fear that way that helps us get past it. When we disassociate from fear, we can begin to see it for what it is and deal with it how we should. Getting outside of it allows us to start seeing fear and all of the companion emotions that we'll talk about in the series as basically information then we can start thinking about them objectively, consciously. We can disassociate from them. I genuinely believe that the more clearly, the more calmly we can articulate the origins of our fear, the why behind our fear, the more we can understand it, the less our fears will frighten us. And then therefore, the less they will control us. Now, see, this is what counselors, any counselor, no matter what they believe about God, this is what counselors would try to do with us, is they would try to say, hey, let's get behind your fear. But, but I want to do more than that. I want to take it a step further. I do think it's very important for us to understand our fear, but I think there's something else we have to do to really overcome our fear. There's a word that over and over again throughout uh, the story of the church, throughout the story uh, of the life of Jesus that people wrote about him, over and over again in the letters people wrote to the early church, there's a word that's associated with fear that is, it's unusual to me. It's strikingly odd to me. See, if these are all fears right here, I wanna talk about a word that is associated with fear that is not something you and I naturally think about when it comes to fear. It's the word love. See, when you, when you think about what would you tell someone about overcoming their fears? Well, you would try to help them understand it. You try to help them play it out. And then you try to help them find courage or bravery to get over their fear. But see, I, I don't believe that's enough. I believe there's something powerful that can happen when we can understand fear, but also when we can understand this particular kind of love That our creator has for us. That's what I want to talk about for the remaining moments we have together. There's a a guy named John who followed very closely after Jesus. He was one of the 12 disciples. He's known as one of the apostles. He wrote an account of Jesus's life that we call John. He called himself the one whom Jesus loved that's how he referred to himself. In his letter to other Christians, we, we've, we've got a few of them, but in the first one, which we call 1 John, very dynamic, creative meeting that they had to name that book, uh, letter, he wrote this about fear. I find this fascinating, but, but l- l- listen to what he said in 1 John 4, verse 18. He said, there is no fear in love. He says, as you're thinking about the love that God has for us, there is no fear in this kind of love. He says, but I want to take it a step further. Perfect love actually drives out all fear. He says, there's no fear in love, but this perfect kind of only God kind of love, completely unconditional not based on our performance, not based on what we've done, but simply and purely based on who we are. This kind of love actually casts out. It expels fear. It drives it out. In a sense, you can think about the fact that it, it takes up so much space that there's no more room for fear. It's not that fear doesn't exist anymore. Of course it exists, but the love expands so greatly that there's no more room for the fear. It's it's as if John is saying that God's love is fear repellent. God's love is what we use to actually repel fear, that understanding fear is important, but understanding God's love is even more important. And then a man named Paul, a couple of years, a couple of dozen years after he made this significant change in his life, he wrote something very illustrative about this love. He said, hey, I want to explain to you this love. And this was not this poetic, artistic guy. This guy was kind of a, a rough guy. He was one of the pioneers of the church, and he had experienced all kinds of challenges because of what he believed about Jesus, he had been whipped, beaten, imprisoned. He'd been chained for days and days, months and months. He had been put on trial numerous times. He had been falsely accused of things. He had been shipwrecked in order for him to try to help explain Jesus's love to more people. And then toward the very end of his life, at the very end of this, of the story of the first church that we find in Acts, there's this scene where the apostle Paul is setting up a campfire. They had been shipwrecked. They had landed on this Island and they're setting up a campfire. And as he's moving some wood to put it on the fire, you know what happens? A snake jumps up out of the wood and bites him. Honestly, I remember reading that for the first time thinking this guy needs a break. You know, I mean, this guy deserves to catch a break. So he knew what it meant to have a lot of trouble. He knew what it meant to have a lot of fear. He knew what it meant to be scared to death, but He did not allow these fears to control him. No, he found a more powerful agent than the fear. And so he wrote about it in Romans 8. Here's the verses that I just want to read you, a couple of them. Look at what he says. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Very simple question. He says, listen, I'm telling you, God's love through Jesus... God's love as seen through Jesus, what he did on the cross and his resurrection from the, the, from the dead. It was so powerful that it makes me wonder what actually could separate us from the love of Jesus. And then he lists a bunch of stuff. He says, should trouble Should hardship, should persecution, should famine, should nakedness or danger, should any of these? And he continues. He he says, no, you know what? As it is written, and he draws something from the past. He says, remember when it was written that for your sake we face death all day long, that we are considered as sheep to be slaughtered? He says, we've risked our life for you. We've overcome death to help you see how great this love is. So what is it that could separate us from this love? Rhetorical question, but in a sense, he says there's nothing. This love is so powerful that there is no fear that could overcome it. Being overwhelmed by God's love is how you overcome fear. He says, no, in all these things, and I love this language, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. We are more than, than conquerors. And I just want to tell you that today. From those of you who you've been spending sleepless nights worried about something, there's something in the future that you've been fixated on that has been causing fear inside of you. I'm not going to sit here and tell you that your fear is not legitimate because it is. But what I believe is that you can become more than a conqueror you can actually be a person that can overcome your fear, yes, by understanding it, but even more than that, by being overwhelmed with the love that God has for us. Let me me put it this way. I I wanna give you some statements about how powerful this love is. Let, Let me specifically give you statements that you can hang on to, that you can latch on to as you start to identify Where does your fear lie when you think about your fear of death or your fear of losing your ability to direct your own life or your fear of being separated from others or your fear of losing your own ego? I believe God specifically speaks to every one of those. And maybe, maybe the, the only point to your fear is to point you to God's love. Maybe that the way God wants to redeem your fear, make, make your fear have a purpose is to point you to his love. And so maybe this will be a reminder to you that God has a love that's greater than any one of these fears. When it comes to our ego, when it comes to the fear of failure, or insignificance or humiliation, God says, Hey, I just want to let you know that you matter. You matter. You matter. You have worth, you have value, you matter. It's not based on what you do. It's not based on your performance. You could be publicly humiliated. And as your father, I'm still telling you, you matter. When it comes to the fear of being separated from those that we love, I need to connect these because they're not exactly lining up. So let me do this here. When it comes to being separated from the ones that you love, God says, I'll never leave. You may have just recently gone through a divorce. God says, I just want to let you know, I'll never file for divorce. I don't care how bad your behavior is. I don't care how crazy your choices are. I will never, ever leave you. If you're single and you're worried about whether or not you have a future, just living alone for the rest of your life, God says, you know what? I can't promise you companionship in the future, but I can promise you my companionship and I'll never leave you I will never forsake you. I will always be with you. Even if you lost the one you loved, you will never lose the one that loves you most. That's how powerful God's love is. When it comes to our autonomy, this is kind of hilarious. What I wanted to write was, is you're not really in control at all. That's the truth is that you're not in control, you know? I mean, you have a fear of not driving because you feel like you need to drive so that you can be in control. You might be in control of your vehicle, but we all know this to be true, that you're not in control of the thousands of other loony bins that are operating their motor vehicle, right? I mean, your fear of economic failure is built on this idea that you somehow control your own economic future anyway. What a joke that is, right? None of us control it anyway. The truth is, is we're all recklessly out of control. And some of you are going, hey, bro, this doesn't help. I'm more scared now than I ever was before. But the truth is, is that I think God's love is so powerful that he says to people like you and me that are filled with fear for things that are very real, fears that are honestly very real potential looming losses, God says, trust me. He says, you can trust me. I can't promise you nothing bad will ever happen in your life, but I can promise you that you can trust me. Don't make me your co-pilot. Give me the steering wheel. Jesus, take the wheel. Thank you, Carrie. (laughs) Someone sneezed right when I said that, as if Jesus was sneezing. That was cool. He was perfect. He didn't sneeze. Um, Anyway, extinction. He did sneeze, probably. Extinction. When you think about dying, this is the trump card, but Jesus said, I defeated death, the most primal, most foundational, most fundamental fear that any one of us could have is that one day we will die, which again, slightly hilarious, right? You've seen the death statistic lately. One out of one, we're all going to die, (laughs) right? But Jesus says it's better than that though. I've defeated death. I've already defeated it. Death has no power over you. You can live life not riddled by and controlled by fear because I am a God who says, I have conquered death once and for all. So Paul, in light of all of this, says, what could separate us from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. And then he says this in Romans 8, 31. He says, what then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? If God is for me, then what or who could be against me? Fear has no reign as long as God's love is reigning in my life. As long as God's love is what's taking up all the space, fear has no room to occupy. Said another way, if God is for me, there's no fear that can rule me. If God's for me, what fear could rule me? Now see, God's love God's love doesn't just defeat fear. I thought about uh, Sylvester Stallone in Over the Top. Can't believe that movie didn't win an Oscar, right? What an unbelievable idea. A movie about arm wrestling. Brilliant. But nonetheless, at the very end of the movie, you know the end. Spoiler alert, in case you're planning on watching it later today. Sylvester Stallone wins, right? But it's a struggle. It's a, it's a struggle, and he barely wins. And some people think that's what God's love does. God's love barely wins against fear. no. No, the apostle Paul, who had experienced all kinds of pain in life, he goes, God's love doesn't just barely win. God doesn't just defeat fear. God's love obliterates fear. God's love destroys fear. It's so powerful that fear fear is deemed completely powerless because of how strong and overwhelming God's love is. See, overcoming fear, it does begin with understanding God's love, but it's more powerful than that. Overcoming fear begins with understanding fear, with understanding God's love, but it also begins with embracing God's love. Have you done that? Have you gotten to a place where you believe beyond a shadow of a doubt that there's nothing that could happen to you that could separate you from the love of God? I recently saw a biography on a guy named Jimmy Iovine He's one of the greatest producers of all time. He's produced some of the greatest bands of all time. He was talking about getting his big break the moment he moved from being an intern to being an engineer in the sound studio. His boss called him one day, said, I need you to come in on a Sunday. He said, oh, I can't. I usually go to mass with my family. Grew up in a Catholic Italian family. He said, no, I really, really need you to be here. And so he said, okay. And so he showed up, knew it was going to be a long day. He's rolling his eyes. He was not excited. And he said, hey, I just want to let you, I want to I ask you a question do you think you can move from being an intern to move into the engineer seat? And he said, yeah, I can do that. And in walks John Lennon. And John Lennon was there all day recording one of his albums. And as Jimmy was being interviewed, he thought, you know, I don't know why I had the confidence to be able to move from being an intern to being an engineer. I think it was because, and he said this phrase, he said, I think it was because my dad had always told me ever since I was a kid, that when I walk in the room, it makes the room better. And I just believed it. And I thought about that story in light of today. And what I don't want you to do is to think about what kind of dad you had or to think about what you're going to tell your kids. Cause some of you are going to try that line out on your kids later today. And it's great. I suggest it. Some of you already texted them. Hey, you're better just cause you're in the room. The room's better. Wait, I messed it up. No, here's what I do want to say though is that you have a father in heaven who believes that about you. He believes that the room is better because you're in the room. He believes that everywhere you go, it gets better because you're there. And he says, if you could understand that kind of love, what fear would ever get in your way? What wouldn't you try? What wouldn't you move past? What wouldn't you be willing to let go of? What do you think could be taken from you that would put you in a spiral of despair that would overwhelm the fact that I love you and I think that every room you walk in is better because you're in the room. You have a father who believes that about you, but you have to believe that that's true. See, overcoming fear begins with embracing God's love. And God's love doesn't just coexist with fear. No, God's love is so powerful that God's love gives fear something to fear. God's love is actually aggressive. It says, hey, darkness, I'm bringing light. Hey, shadow, there's nothing that you could ever deny. Hey, fear, fear. There's a love that's so powerful that you will never ever win. And you can believe that today. Will your whole life change? No, probably not. But you don't have to be overcome by your fear, you don't have to be controlled by your fear.